1972, a crack commando unit was sent to a liturgical prison by a canonical court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security diocesan stockade to the ecclesial underground. Today, still wanted by the Vatican, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, then you should listen to Libra Cristo War College. Very cool intro, Wednesday War College. My name is Jess Romero. We got it, both instructors. I love, let's jump right in, Jess. I love the Catholic power team phase that you went through. Uh, that's just fantastic. That was a Catholic response. Remember you had these, these Protestant muscle heads going around the country, lifting weights and doing it, and you said, Catholics are stronger. Catholics are better. That's Catholics are right. Better. You started the Catholic, you the Catholic power team uh, back in the day. That was just fantastic, man. So I, I, every time I see that, the guys that you put that together, Man, I get a kick out of that. So, <laughs> hey, uh, Dan and hey, Kyle, and, welcome and, to the and, show. And philosophically, you are sui generis, one of a kind, Jess. That is just a, I love it. That's awesome. That, the, yeah, that, that's a compliment. Uh, thanks a lot, Dan. I really appreciate that. Hey, you want to talk, talk about St. Anthony a little bit? Yeah, well, Kyle, Kyle, you're on with us today, right? You bet. Hi, fellas. Yeah, I want to. I was just thinking today. I was yesterday was Saint Anthony's feast day. It was one of those days that things just light up. You know, it's a it's a great feast day in the church. And I read this article. I wanted to I wanted to get Kyle's take. It's the the Saint Thomas Aquinas uh, College. It's a it's a uh, very good uh, small private uh, Catholic uh, great book school um, grounded in the, the philosophical tradition of the church. And there's an article by a, a religious sister, Sister Mary Josepha, who's a Benedictine. Uh, um, Holcomb is her last name, and she calls she calls the 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 the, uh, um, the religious sisters, the contemplative sisters, the 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 what she says they're the stay home moms of the mystical body. They're they're unseen. Wow. They get no credit for what they do, but they, but without them, the mystical body loses its maternal nature. I thought that was very beautiful, and I, I'd like to Kyle's take on it. And also, I know Kyle's just doing daily reflections. And he did a really good piece on St. Anthony. I'd like to see get his take on, on St. Anthony. Because I know in Rome, they be, they bless animals on the Feast of St. Anthony. Here we do the Feast of St. Francis. So anyway, Kyle, what's your take on on, uh, on these two items? First of all, let's talk about the, the uh, observation that they are the homeschool moms. And she's exactly right. Um, long recognized in, in Catholic tradition is the fact that um, the mother shapes um, shapes society, shapes the norms, the mores, the virtue of society, and, and the devastation that we see in society today is largely a result of the movement of feminism that started some 40, 50 years ago, which just methodically wiped out all the graces of motherhood, all the sanctity of motherhood. Father Ripperger, and I'll quote him in one of his talks, he says, there is no career, there is no status, there is no award, there is no vocation higher than that of motherhood. Um, and he's precisely right. And so women traded, uh, traded uh, this queenship, this elevated status, uh, they traded it for a servile uh, existence under feminism. And so I think that, that her observation is exactly right. In a spiritual sense, um, so much was given up. 
And I think a prayer for for all of those uh, that have friends and relatives, uh, mothers, grandmothers affected by the scourge of feminism, you know, to pray in reparation for all the joys of motherhood, right, spousal union, and marriage that that they denied themselves. Um, And so as we seek to reclaim this spiritual high ground, um, motherhood and the restoration of, of motherhood in right order, uh, is so very, very important. So I think that's a, a very good observation. With regard to St. Anthony, so St. Anthony is a very, very interesting character in the church. Um, so he has, he's afforded the title the Great, and because of significant contribution to the church, significant contribution to theology. But here's a guy when he's about 20 years old who um, is converted. He, the son of a noble family, parents died young, leaving him a sizable fortune and one sister to care for. He entrusted her to a convent, sold and or gave away all of his property, and then began a life of, of finding himself, of going forth and finding himself. And just a little overlay there, uh, when you when you look at the Hebrew, Dan's our linguist, and <coughs> I'll butcher, butcher this, but maybe Dan will help me out. But in Hebrew, when, when Abraham is called forth, it's to leave his country um, and go find himself, not it, it, his place in the cosmos, is to go forth from where you are and then take your place in the cosmos. And for Anthony, he leaves uh, nobility and finds his place in the cosmos as a contemplative hermit who is the archetype. Anytime you see um, even the yogi high on the mountain where people go and find him, Yoda in, in uh, all the Star Wars movies. This is this is a St. Anthony art, uh, type. Uh, St. Anthony is the archetype. He's illiterate. He lives by himself in the desert. He lives to be 105 years old on a very strict ascetic diet. Um, and um, he's a holy man. He's the standard by which other holy men are, are, uh, are measured. He's the father of the monks. And that life may seem um, dull, but um, Athanasius of Alexandria wrote a work uh, in the 300s called The Life of St. Anthony. It was known in short as The Life. And incidentally, this was a best-selling work for over two centuries. Wow. Um, it, it, it was just amazing. People uh, soaked this up. But he worked for a time as a swineherd, as he is just moving from place to place to find himself and to play, find his place in the cosmos. And so he is a patron of herders. He's a patron of, of um, those who work with animals. That's why, as Dan said, uh, in the Italian tradition, uh, in European tradition, um, many places, the blessing of animals is there at St. Anthony. Now he's depicted with a pig because of his constant fights against the demon. Um, and the demon being indicative of um, the garrison demoniac and other symbolism that links uh, the boar or the pig with the diabolical. Most important, St. Anthony is the nemesis saint for the noonday devil, sloth, laziness, and ah. phantoms or fantasies of women. He is a heavy hitter. Wow. Yeah. St. Anthony, pray for us. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, that's interesting is that, is that we see, especially, Kyle, you, you'll echo this, we see it in spiritual combat and dealing with cases, the noonday devil, the sadia, spiritual sloth, it's kind of the spiritual listlessness that, that really attacks the monastic life. It, you know, that noonday, when you're, that's, the, that, that's when you're doing the Lectio Divina, 
That's when you're, you're doing your, your private one-on-one prayer with God. That's when you're growing in your relationship with Christ. And that's when you get hit with the temptation, distractions, what St. Teresa called la loca, you know, crazy thoughts into the imagination. You got to learn to subdue that. And the monastic life is learning to subdue the interior life and growing in contemplation. This is what Sister Maria Josepha said. She said, again, this is why we send our children to college, we send them to university not to to get a, to, for job training. We've lost the idea that we go to the university to learn the truth. And so a place like St. Thomas, uh, Thomas Aquinas College, she said, I learned to contemplate truth for its own sake. I also realized the importance of the liturgy, the importance of having people dedicating their lives to worshiping God, being his intimates in its own house, keeping him company all day. So this is the life of the Benedictines, the life of the, the, the Carmelites. And, and one of the things that Kyle, has, has, as he lays out the spiritual battle for our teams, you know, one of the things that Kyle has, you know, has taught us, and we're always te- and I'm teaching other teams, is you got to have support. It's nice. My, the priest mom is praying for you, and she's a holy woman. Great. But they're nothing like the consecrated virgin, that maternal mother, that mama in the mystical body. I, I was teaching Carmelites not long ago, and I, and I, and I, and I had a slideshow, and I was some of their formation for the sisters. And I put a picture up of, of, of three uh, snipers, uh, special forces snipers, and they're in ghillie suits. And you can hardly see them. And you have to look closely at the picture before you can see the snipers. I said, ladies, mothers, this is what you are in the mystical body. I know the world is telling you you're wasting your time. The demon might be telling you you're wasting your time. You should be doing out there doing service. You should be running a hospital. You should be working at a school. You should be married and having kids and changing culture. You are the you are the snipers. You are the hidden the hidden killer, hunter killers in the mystical body in the, in the battle against evil. And and they looked at me tearing up like you get us. You know, you get us. And so having that mystical and understanding you're like Kyle says, our place in the cosmos, we all have it. And it's our vocation. This particular sister, she said, I had a sense, even when I was a child of seven or eight, that perhaps God wanted me to be his. And they're not going to hear that, that call of God at that age. And that's when God begins to call vocations. They're not going to hear that. If there's riddled, you give them a cell phone at age eight. What are they going to pay attention to, the voice of God, or they're going to look at what's on their cell phone? The dangers, we're going to get into the topic of pornography, Jess. When you inundate a child uh, with, with all these images on their screens, they're not going to hear the voice of God. That's a real challenge for parents today. Yeah, well, also, I think nuns, uh, you know, virgins and monks uh, and nuns, they're living out right now what's uh, called realized eschatology. They're Absolutely. living right now the way all of us are going to live in the afterlife. Uh, we're going to live uh, uh, as virgins, uh, consecrated to God uh, in, in the family of God. And so people don't, people think that, wow, okay, I'm going to be married in heaven. No, you're not. We're, we're going to be united to the Trinity in heaven. Uh, and, and that's going to be our all in all. Uh, I'm, I'm just so glad that this week I got both Kyle and Dan uh, the Wesley War College. So, Jesse, Kyle brought up a good point. We're going to talk the next couple of segments about pornography. And St. Anthony, remember that God always provides help from the mystical body when dealing with these cases. Now, Kyle and I have both seen cases of, of possessed priests, possessed religious sisters, the importance of St. Anthony, 
and and having custody. I hear I hear the music, Dan. Hard break. We'll be right back. Wednesday War College. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Wednesday War College, we're back. Uh, uh, talk about uh, what comes around goes around. There is there is a, a drunken thief was injured after falling on the sword of a statue of St. Michael the Archangel that he was trying to steal from a church in Monterey, New Mexico, and he injured his neck. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, Wednesday War College, we've got Dan and we've got Kyle. Hey, I want to I want to take this is a big subject. Talk about talk about the noonday devil. Uh, the U.S. bishops put out a, a, a document on, um, it's called Clean Heart, on the problem of pornography. But I want to get more the the solution. We know what the we know what pornography is. I would like to ask both of you, and I'd like to take two segments to do this because this is a big topic. Uh, is the diabolical, can the diabolical be involved in pornography, A, and B, what would be the liberal Christo uh, response, solution, uh, antidote to pornography, which is a huge problem in the West. Anyone, you first? So that's a two-part question. First question is: Is the diabolical involved in the in 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 pornography, or is it just strictly human concupiscence and our fallen nature? And then, secondly, what would be the solution that you would give a young man coming up to you, or even an old man coming up to you and asking you for advice? Yeah, I think uh, the, the short answer is yes. Um, um, wherever there is disorder, um, the demon is there and sexual disorder. The demon's constantly tracking um, anytime we do any activity, thought, word, or deed that is contrary to the indelible mark of baptism is going to draw the demon to you. He's going to prompt you. This is He's been working this for a long, long time. Father Ripperger once asked, um, asked the demon, why do you keep doing the same things? And the demon replied, because they work. Um, very simple. So, so, um, so, so, so yeah, the demon is, the demon is always going to be present with their sexual disorder. In fact, I'd like to see Kyle's take, but I think probably 85, 90% of all the cases that we deal with have some, some element of sexual deviancy. And so part of what, part of what our protocol is, is a media fast. And, And so having that, that media fast, uh, and use your phone only when absolutely necessary. Lent's coming up. This is a great uh, penance. Yeah, you can give up chocolate. You can try to exercise so you don't, so you look better and you're not as fat as you are. And that's all about you. Do something that's really going to change the interior life. Do a media fast. Uh, do a hard shutdown. Not not just a media fast on Fridays. How about just shutting it down completely? Um, you know, so you have to, to to overcome it. You have to first remove the the, tem- the temporal temptation by right? the near occasion of sin has to be removed and so that's so this is what we do uh on a, on a on a functional level with lever cristo and of course all the practical stuff you've got to militate it can't just be invoking saint anthony as great as he is or, or saint mary magdalene you ha- you're not going to outwit the demon you're going to invoke their help but you also have to engage at the bodily level you've got to start doing penance You've got to start mortifying the flesh because you have to start getting the lower faculties where this, where the the demon of of of, of, of impurity is going to manipulate. Um, you got to get those subdued 
through through the good old fashioned methods that we that we that we, the tradition of the church has always used prayer fasting almsgiving you've got to mortify the flesh as part of it and that in combination with help from the mystical body is is, is, is are two elements of it and then of course the very practical stuff custody of the intellect you have to learn custody of the, not intellect the imagination you have to learn that first through withdrawing through this media fast to learn right control the majority of over 50 to 60% of children uh, seen, uh, have seen pornography. Three quarters of them use pornography, but but 60% of them almost now use per, seen pornography through accidental searches. Why? Because we're just on the internet. Like, hey, gee, who what was who was in this movie? Or I wonder what this means. We're using we're using the, misusing the internet, and it's re, rewiring the way we think, and we're being drawn into that and being set up and trapped by the enemy. Kyle, Kyle, are you there? Kyle, we'll want to get your take here on, uh, is the, di- well, Dan answered it already, uh, the diabolical yeah, as it I relates to the por- pornography. Yeah, Dan gives us uh, a, an excellent view, and I think it's absolutely accurate. If you, if you go um, around a different flank and see the same formation from a different angle, um, it's not that anything that Dan said was was incorrect. It, our understanding is um, is enhanced by the different angles that we take. And so, um, look at it first of all. Uh, let's look at it a couple of different ways. Is the diabolical present to it? Yes, but the diabolical does not instigate it. And we absolutely have to understand this. In this in today's day and age when we're all a bunch of snowflakes and we don't want to be responsible for anything bad but we want all the credit for anything that is good we've got to understand this this uh disposition this uh inaccurate disordered disposition the demon doesn't instigate it we instigate it he augments it he drives it once we're already started down that path again back to the garden Eve is standing there looking at the fruit when the snake speaks. It's not that the thought had not occurred to her before the snake speaks. So that's one premise is the demon is there, but he's there as a secondary principle, not as a primary principle. Second observation is that, um, especially in men, the use of pornography, now the men, the use of pornography in men and the use of pornography in women is there has two different psychological and physiological mechanisms and so let's talk about that because it's becoming more and more prevalent in women as well but they're different here's how they're different and this is modern psychology does not get this um especially the psychologists that are present to um exorcist and those who deal in deliverance by and large, they miss this because they're applying modern psychology methodology to this, not St. Thomas Aquinas um, Thomistic principles. The Thomistic principles, as, Saint, as Father Ripperger says, the demon understands us the way St. Thomas describes us and talks about us. Modern psychology does not use this model, and they're not going to be effective in, in what I'm about to talk about, which is how do you address it? So number one is to address the mechanism in men, and I'll talk to you through the sequential points. Now, they may happen very quickly. They're not chronological, but they're sequential. So there's a cycle that leads to pornography. And the more often this cycle is taken, the quicker it happens and the more automatic it becomes. It's a learn, it's a habituated behavior. So number one is there is an attack uh, or an event which challenges the man's self-image. That's not, it's 
so that's where it starts. There is a, a statement, an event. There's something that challenges the man's self-image, and he takes offense. It may be anger. It may not be anger, but he takes offense. The next stop in this cycle or this descent is sins against hope. He will despair or he will feel uh, futility because people do not see him as he wants himself to be seen or as he sees himself. And this is a sin against hope. At the moment that the man sins against hope, which is embodied by the second person of the Trinity, the moment that he does that, he now is open to the prospect of self-harm. And then when he looks at the image, that is self-harm because he's scarring his intellect. He's scarring his imagination. He's scarring his phantasm by taking in an image that is inconsistent with his state in life. It doesn't matter whether he's married or single. Pornography is inconsistent with his state in life and his spiritual obligations um, if he's married to his wife through chastity, if he's single to his future wife or future vocation, again, through chastity, and if he goes so far as self-harm in the form of masturbation, now he's done a malefice. He's done a physical act requisite with the sin, and now the demon is going to be present to him in a very, very real way. Um, so the spilling of the seed uh, outside the procreative act, now we go straight to Genesis 2 where God blessed them saying, go forth and multiply. He's saying that to a married couple. He's saying that to Adam and Eve. He's saying that is reserved to the conjugal act within the, the sacrament of matrimony. So there's your short riff on masculine pornography. Does, it, does that make sense? Yep. Let me define pornography for the audience. Uh, paragraph 2354 says, pornography consists in removing real or simulated sexual acts from the intimacy of the partners in order to display them deliberately to third parties. It offends against chastity because it perverts the conjugal act, the intimate giving of spouses to each other. It does grave injury to the dignity of its participants, actors, vendors, the public, since each one becomes an object of base pleasure and illicit profit for others. It immerses all who are involved in the illusion of a fantasy world. Uh, let me ask you a question, Kyle and Dan. I know Father Ripperger talks about Satan's five generals. And he says that the first, uh, the first demon is Baal. He's the demon of impurity. Would that be the demon uh, that uh, militates against chastity? Would that be the demon that promotes pornography, uh, as, as I understand it, he's the, the demon of impurity. Then Father says, Asmodeus is a demon of homosexuality in men. Uh, Leviathan, the demon of homosexuality in men, but of the masculine kind. Lilith, the demon of female homosexuality in Baphomet, the demon of child sacrifice. So my question is, is the first uh, wretched demon, Baal, is he the demon of pornography, the one that would, that would uh, facilitate that? So impurity is the handle that fits every implement of evil. Okay. And so it, it, and that's the one way to look at these generals is you go to a specificity of sin through prelation, through moving down the chain, if you will. And so ball is there for all perversion. Uh, then perversion specifically ordered to procreation, the lack of procreation, sodomy, etc. 
then it begins to take on a different specificity as you go down through the choirs and down through the hierarchies. So this concept of prelation then brings it to a specific demon who is psychologically compatible compatible with the specific human to a point that there's an, there is an amazing fit, there's an amazing nick, if you will, in that psychological compatibility. It is a counterfeit of the understanding of, quote, soulmate or someone who is... Um, right for you to pursue the the pure vocation of marriage and so ultimately it's a counterfeit of this matching up dan comments no no yeah it's it's that's the big picture and again what kyle points out is very significant and this is one of the really the great contributions of father ripperger uh and and kyle fleshing out um, for the for those in this involved in this deliverance ministry of deliverance and exorcism, and that is a psychological compatibility. There is always some compatibility that draws the demon to you, and so until so you address that, too many exorcists and exorcist teams want to just rush to prayer and I'm going to pound the demon of this or that. But until you get that compatibility under understood, well, Kyle just laid out the event that confronts a man, the sin against hope, sin of self harm. The spilling of the seed now acts as a malefice, which draws the demon and makes him real present, not just external to the man, but but really, truly present to him and his family, may I note. that This is like you and I, Jess, watching our fighter, and, and, and he, he, you're looking at the fight, and you're looking at round three when he got knocked out. And you're like, look, here's the four steps. Here's how you ended up on the camera. Hard break, Dan. Hard break. We'll be right back. Hold that thought. Wednesday War College, Jess Romero, Dan Schneider, Kyle Clement uh, talking about all things spiritual warfare. Uh, Kyle, Dan, I want to ask you a question. Just because these five generals have a specific assignment, for example, you know, it says Leviathan, uh, Father Ripperger says it's a demon of homosexuality in men, but of the max- masculine kind. Does that mean that's the only thing that demon tries to promote or get or tries to tempt the human person. I ask that question because I know uh, in that lecture, Father Ripperger says that Asmodeus is a demon of homosexuality in men. Uh, then you read the book of Tobit, and it, uh, Asmodeus is trying to destroy uh, Sarah, uh, trying to destroy her marriages. That, uh, did kill her seven husbands. So my question is... Uh, these demons, obviously, they don't just follow that, that a strict line of this is all I do. Obviously, they're involved in many other nefarious works. Correct, Kyle? No, actually, actually, they're very narrowly confined. Okay. So when we see Asmodeus there, uh, what is common to the two scenarios gives you a, a better insight. So his, his uh, motivation in promoting homosexuality is the same as his uh, presence in uh, in the book of Tobit, and what he's doing is he's militating against right ordered vocation. Ah, God. Okay, that makes sense. Wow, big picture. Yeah, these guys are all going to be involved at this level. These big guys are going to all be involved in ultimately the relationship of the soul to God through sacrificial theology. 
Well, that 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 two those two sentences just basically answered my question. Yeah, that makes sense to me. They're they're uh, they're Dan. You got a comment on that? Yeah, no. You, you, you know, as a as a you know military student, amateur student of military history, but also a combat veteran, you see every every part of an attacking force has its own role. You have, for example, uh, um, the heavy infantry or the, the tanks. Uh, heavy infantry in the past. The, Ro- the Romans didn't just fight with the heavy infantry, but they would set up the heavy infantry with an ancillary forces. They would use skirmishers, you know, draftees that weren't Roman citizens that they were conscripted or they were paid, and they would go in front of the of the main force, the main occupying, the main the main lethal force. But they had skirmishers out front that were trying to disrupt the formation. Those skirmishers today look like, in the spiritual life, look like the uh, uh, the, the spirit of, of sloth and asadia. You've got the cavalry elements, huh, right? That's my cav my cav uh, flag back there. You've got the cav that was out there working the flanks, trying to outflank, trying to disrupt. Um, each you had your slingers, you had your archers. So each one has their own role in taking this particular enemy in this particular battle. And so the, these five generals work, like Kyle says, they're very strict in their assignments. Yeah, does that mean that a cavalry doesn't act, can't actually get on the ground and fight? He can, but he sticks very strictly to what his mission is. And so that you know, if we know this in military combat. You know, we got to understand in military combat. Our experience is such that spiritual combat works no differently. Kyle, can you tell us so, what you what, what you what you got going on? People want to know how they can access some of your lectures uh, before we continue the show. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, thank you very much, Jesse. I do want to go back and pick up something Dan said before yeah. I t- take you on, up on your generous offer. Uh, Dan's exactly right. So let's look at these five generals as theater commanders, if you will. And so these guys are strategists. They're not tacticians. And so on the strategy level, what they're doing is they're seeking to uh, disrupt identity, relational relationship with God the Father. And they use the topography of what they're given. So in Asmodeus' case, he is opposed to right relationship to God the Father through vocation and sacrificial theology. Then he looks at the weakness of the individual human. So he's going to be present to Sarah much differently than he's going to be present to the young priest who falls to the temptation of homosexuality in the seminary. But the Mm. end result is exactly the same, which is to uh, abandon vocation and sacrificial theology through suffering within one's vocation. So these guys are strategists. They're not tacticians. We get down into the governance level hierarchies, uh, those possessors and those others who are more the tacticians, and they're more specified. But that's a good way to look at it is both Sarah and the young seminarian who give in to uh, homosexuality in the seminary, both of them are abandoning the pursuit of their vocation in, in light of some type of adversity. That makes uh that 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 uh, makes sense to me. That's uh, about as clear as as anything. Uh, me, Kyle, after that, yeah. I want to get back to something. Let, let Kyle answer yeah, the question about how how people can. Yeah, people want to want to know how they can uh, access your lectures, Kyle. I'm getting some text okay. right now. Go ahead. Thanks. And so we've got going on right now. Um, Jesse and Dan uh, alluded to it. We we drew it a little bit of on the Saint Anthony talk. 
But we've got a Reclamation Theology daily podcast. It's about a 10 to 15-minute reflection early in the morning um, that kind of tells us where we are liturgically, cosmically, in the extraordinary form, what's happening. And so uh, you can access that or request that uh, by going to info, emailing at info at montecristo.net. Also, there's a Reclamation Theology Zoom retreat. This is a week-long retreat starting Sunday evening, January 22nd, and ending Friday morning, January 27th. Um, again, you can go to montecristo.net for information, but that's a real-time Zoom retreat. We'll have a morning session, and we'll have an evening session that'll be live via Zoom for reflections and discussion. Um, I, so I, I encourage you to look into that retreat. And then there is an in-person Reclamation Theology Retreat the week of Ash Wednesday uh, with a traditional priest in Chattawa, Mississippi, um, Our Lady of Hope. And um, you can look there. I was just there this past week. It's an absolutely amazing location uh, in rural Mississippi, um, an old convent that has been reclaimed um, and put to good use. But Reclamation Theology in-person Retreat the week of Ash Wednesday. Um, you can look at videos from there. They have a website. You can also go to the Monte Cristo uh, YouTube channel. And uh, also, we've got trainings coming up, especially training of exorcist priests. That's filling. We've got one spot left, um, but we've got some of those priests that are that are requesting scholarships and help. So you can sponsor a priest for those trainings. Uh, I'll also be in various parishes in South Carolina the end of January through February. For any further information on this, please email info at montecristo.net for the schedules. Dan and I will be presenting to a general practitioner training. This is for priests and laity um, with regard to how to be involved using the Libra Cristo methodology. Uh, again, that's in Chattawa, Mississippi. But information on all these is uh, through info at montecristo.net. Monte Cristo spelled M-O-N-T-E-C-H-R-I-S-T-O dot net. Thanks very much, Jesse. Hey, I want to fly both of you guys over to the Senate of Synodality so you guys can give a talk to the German bishops on reclamation theology, by the way. Yeah, let's, let's define that. <laughs> have us i'm sure I'm, i've been waiting for that invitation but I, it just it hasn't come in the mail yet I, I keep checking would you guys please come and, and teach us Thomistic psychology and the effect of uh the diabolic on the on the on the senses on the interior self and yeah but when kyle uses the phrase reclamation theology what he means is reclaiming the tradition of the church go, going back to what the church has always taught we fight this, we, our enemy, as Kyle says, is an, we fight an ancient enemy. And so we have to use the ancient weapons. Those are, the, those are the weapons that are best and most effective. And not getting drawn out into trick plays and, 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 and you know, superstition, really, Catholic superstition, that is more Protestant in its foundation than, than, than Roman Catholic. So this is, this is kind of what we're doing with Father Ripperker uh, and, and Kyle and the, the book, the manual that's coming out. Um, I want to pick up, I just got a text from, from a listener who, who talked about the effect of, Kyle said he was going to talk about the habituation. This is very important. This is a St. Thomas term that, that the demon seeks to habituate us. You know, in, in Vietnam, for example, enemy would put uh, small shape charges into, into Coke cans, and he would slightly crush the, the Pepsi or Coke can and leave it on a trail. Because what did Americans do instinctively? If you and I go for a walk, Jesse, right? 
and we were going to go for a walk through the woods or walk down the street and you see a Coke can sitting on the ground. Even growing up in L.A., you see a Coke can. What do you do? You pick, pick it up it. or you, kick it. Or you yeah. kick it. You yeah. kick it. Usually you just kick the darn thing. Yeah, and you okay. kick the okay. can down. Yeah, you're right. You're right. right. So you kick the can. And but the, the, the enemy knows that. And he knew he knew that that the Americans were habituated in that behavior. See a Coke can, it triggers something, you kick it, reminds you of being back home. And so they would put small shape charges in there just enough to blow the leg, the lower half of the leg off of the of the American GI. And they knew that the American GI would not leave their dead on the battlefield or their wounded. And they would sit in a field across the way with a sniper, and every, and he would the man would be would be lying there screaming in pain, and one by one they would try to go retrieve him and save him, and the enemy would snipe him one by one, snipe off the ones that were trying to save the wounded one. A very cruel, a very cruel enemy, and the enemy, the cosmic enemy of mankind, is even crueler. And so what he does, what this looks like for us is in pornography. He takes when a man in pornography is looking at pornography, he just blew his leg off. He is not only is he worthless in defending his family, now he is now a liability, and the rest of the family are now vulnerable to the enemy's attack. So, what does it look like, Kyle? Great, great uh, analogy. All, great analogy. Kyle, that, that, that a fair analogy for you? And also, Kyle, let's talk about women. I just got a, a, a text from. A, a listener, uh, a, a good mama bear who, who, who wrote, give me an article or an excerpt from a book on Fatima and our lady's warning on impurity. And this, the author calls uh, romance novels, novels, porn for women. So the demon habituates us like the Coke can. He tries to draw us into pattern behavior and then set us up. And we make the decision to kick the can, just like the man makes a decision to kick, to look at the porn, but what, is, what does that habituation look like in women? And what's there, is there a relationship with, 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 with uh, like this author is saying, on, on uh, romance novels, et cetera? So, Bob. Hold that thought. Kyle, Kyle, hold that thought. We got a heartbreak. You're listening to Wednesday War College. We got the two instructors from Liberty Crystal and uh, your host, Jess Romero. We'll be right back. We're talking about the effects of pornography. Wednesday War College, huge topic. This is this is a topic uh, that the Blessed uh, Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Fatima, warned us about. She said, most people, more people will go to hell at the end of time because of violation of the Sixth and Ninth Commandment. So this is a very, very serious topic. Servant of God, Father John Harden said, nothing blinds the intellect more than sexual sin. Father Gabriel Amorth said, the devil will try every trick to force man's body to become an occasion of sin. Uh, Dan, you were about to make a comment before we went to a hard break. Yeah, so in light of the habituation, St. Thomas talks about we have to be careful in, 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 the, in the, what Thomas talks about the pre-intellection in the imagination. This is what the demon has access to. This is why pulling back is very important to limit what pulling back from social media, pulling back from constantly being obsessed with our phones to limit the data set that the demon has to work with and also integrating is a whole different topic, but integrating 
the trauma, the things that cause the hurts that lead you to a lack of hope, that lead you to the self-harm of pornography and masturbation that brings the malefice in. Those are the four steps of habituation of, of male homosexuality or male, male uh, um, use of pornography. Kyle, I'd like to hear what you flesh out and finish your, your, the other half on females. I know that many, many females, as much as 30 to maybe even 40% of pornography is now viewed by females. But what's the connection between the feminine psyche, the feminine uh, uh, person, as unique, uh, different from man, right, um, according to the philosophers, and, and romance novels, women, you know, and pornography. How does it work differently? What is and, and what is what does that what does that structure look like? It's a, it, I think it's a good exercise and it's a really good discussion because uh, women, just like men, once you recognize where you are in this cycle, it helps you to stop the progression of it. It, it helps you to alter the trajectory. Uh, of it, and it doesn't necessarily have to follow that cycle if you're aware of it, if you take steps to change it. If you do not take steps, then you become habituated, the cycle accelerates, and you go through these three very, very quickly. So here are the, the three landmarks of the cycle leading to um, self-harm with regard to pornography and women. So first of all, it's, it's exactly the same as men for the first, and that is there is a perception of offense to the self-image, to the way they see themselves, to as a role that they have. Um, and so one of the things, and you can see where this is a vicious cycle, but uh, the, the very first uh, place of attack or one of the primary focuses of attack in pornography, both men and women, is the true and righteous image of woman. Um, and so at the end of the day, it's that image that suffers the most in reality through pornography. So what happens is the woman, there is a, an offense taken at someone else's perception or they're perceiving it. Um, there's a, there was an old rhyme years ago. It, it, said, it goes, I was looking back to see if you were looking back to see if I was looking back to see if you were looking back at me. <laughs> and so... What this amounts to is uh, women read constantly, they're more intuitive, and they read, not always correctly, someone's reaction to their appearance. And they spend, women will spend, on the average, much more time involved in their appearance, um, both, the, both the cultivation of it and the maintenance of it. And so they take offense, um, perceived offense, at how someone reacts. And so what does that do? So um, here's the difference is men go to anger, um, go to an anger response. Women go to a self-deprecating response almost immediately. They, they see themselves as lacking. And so both of these are uh, problems with the virtue of pride. Uh, men tend to go to arrogance and anger. Women tend to go to self-deprecation and pity uh, is where they tend to go. And so what they do from there then is they seek to militate or manipulate for the response that uh, they want or they think they should get. And so this is, a, uh, this is the typical response. Then they start to alter their appearance to achieve that response. Once they start to alter their appearance, now that's the blindness in the woman. Uh, she's blind to her own values. She's blind to to exactly the the greatness of wonder of womanhood. And then they'll go so far as as self harm. 
um, and that self-harm may take multiple forms. But uh, <laughs> I had a grand uh, grandfather who used to note that beauty is painful. And uh, women do a lot of things for the sake of beauty or the perception of beauty, which are quite painful. Uh, they alter their bodies. They alter the form of their body, either permanently or temporarily, um, through clothing, through all kinds of things. And this leads to Im immodesty and a lack of moderation. Um, and so that's that's the cycle for women. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and the temptation then, back to the question, Kyle. So if this author is correct, the temptation, not just pornography as we understand it as men, but porn for women, as this author says, is, you know, romance novels, um, the, the soap operas, et cetera, that, that, that alters the perception. It creates a fantasy world within which the, the woman's mind lives in. And now, the, now, now things are judged against that false image versus their authentic image as woman, as an authentic Christian woman. And, that, and that's the initial stages before the offense. Would, would that be correct? Oh, it's very well said. And so it, it, this speaks to the difference between men and women. Men are more visual. Um, and, and so the use of pictures does for the man, um, every woman becomes um, compared to the image. Every man becomes compared to the image that he's viewing. The woman, on the other hand, is drawing on her imagination and, a, and from a different place of fantasy or construct, if you will, when she reads uh, these romance novels accounts, um, she sees herself as every one of the heroines um, or the damsel in distress, whatever the thing may be. And she sees every man in light of a tender and understanding um, construct. And so the ideal can never be met once men and women engage in pornography all tangible relationships are going to pale in light of this unattainable ideal. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm reading here from uh, Tim Gordon's book is called, uh, I mean, uh, Stephanie Gordon is called Ask Your Husband. She, she writes here, after all, and she's quoting psychology today, uh, after all men, as we know, are visually motivated creatures, the emotion control center of the brain, the amygdala, shows significantly higher levels of activation in males viewing sexual stimuli than females viewing the same images. Uh, men's greater sex drive may be partially due to the fact that their sexual motivation pathways have more connections to the subcortical reward system than women. In short, men's brains are designed to objectify women. That comes from Psychology Today. Uh, but conversely yeah. with that, I mean, I think what, what we're saying, though, is the, con the converse to that is that there's something in fallen woman that in this in this false narrative that she creates that makes her manipulate the weakness in fallen man. Well, let's go to Mary Magdalene. How was Mary Magdalene healed? I mean, she obviously had chastity problems. How was she healed? Anyone of you guys want to tackle that? Well, she's healed with the re with the encounter with the risen Christ in his Amen. glorified form. Um, I think that what you 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 are going straight to Jesse, and and we're remiss if we talk about this without suggesting a cure, right. not a way to manage not a way to manage it, which is what modern psychology does, but an absolute cure. And so the cure for this is the passion of the Christ. 
And so we have to look at the passion. We have to go to Good Friday. We have to look at the figures. And in these figures, um, we see the perfection of the use of flesh by the Blessed Mother and by our Lord. Our Lord is stripped naked. His precious flesh is absolutely uh, terrorized and and, um, it's horrific what is done to him in his flesh. But this is this is the perfection of sacrificial theology. Be it done unto me according to thy word. And that's the way it looks like for men. For women, it is the maintain, maintenance of decorum and modesty and support, uh, the stoic support. Now, stoic is not the lack of emotion. It's right-ordered emotion. So if you want to look at how to, to perfect, perfectly use our bodies in time of adversity, this is it. Uh, our Lord, um, obviously, there's an attack on his image. Um, and his image is marred to where he doesn't even hardly look like man. And so his response to that, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's not the anger and the dissent, the loss of hope. In spite of what the modernists and relativists tell you about his intoning the opening lines of Psalm 22, it's exactly the opposite. He does not feel abandoned. He knows that this is his, his purpose. The Blessed Mother... She stands there resolute. She even takes on greater responsibility by taking on John and the motherhood of us all. Um, We see in those archetypes, that is the response to um, anything, any adversity that we may have. Dan, comments? Yeah, I mean, in going, countering back, you know, in the military, it's called counter-battery. The enemy shoots an artillery round. Before that round even hits, we have a round going back. Uh, uh, our technology was so great. So, so too, when you catch these temptations, counter battery back with the lives uh, of the, the words and deeds of, from, from Christ and scripture, the, the meditating on the cross, on the feet of Christ, where Mary Magdalene sat and anointed in penance and, and atonement for her sins, looking at the empty tomb with faith, uh, standing at the foot of the cross, meditating upon the wounds of Christ. These are the cure, imbuing the mind with thoughts of Christ, of thoughts of Scripture, the Blessed Mother, her purity, the lives of the saints, invoking St. Anthony, invoking St. Mary Magdalene, bringing to bear the entire mystical body, increasing, finding your, your, your own place in the cosmos, as Kyle said earlier, as part of this great, great cosmic church, the mystical body of Christ, which, which extends far beyond your local diocese. It, it, it extends vertically all the way into heaven and the worship of the angels and saints uh, of the triune God. So, so imbuing your mind and replacing over time, purifying your intellect, your imagination with sacred scripture, with holy images, with sacred music, uh, and becoming Catholic in your total outview. This is very, very important as part of the cure, becoming Catholic. Amen. And not just trying to beat it with some tricks. Because you're not yes. going to you're not going to beat you're not going to beat the enemy with a couple of trick plays. You're going to have to ground and pound. This is spade work. This is ground. This is grunt work to get this done. But it can and and and, and will be done if you're committed to it. That's a wrap, my friend. That's a wrap, Carl Dan. Thanks a lot to Wednesday War College. Uh, yeah, time spent in the Word of God it builds a man's immune system against the poison of pornography. Remember, pornography is the cancer of our times. It scars the intellect. What we need is a Psalm 130 Mormon. Stop. Cry out to the Lord out of the depths of your heart. We'll see you guys next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Up next, Gary Machuda, Hands-On Apologetics. We're out.